0: Hi, friends. Today, I'm excited to bring you a conversation with Paul Cornish. He is a finalist for the American Pianist Association Jazz Awards, one of our great up-and-coming musicians in jazz and R&B and hip-hop and across a multitude of genres. Let's get right into it. Welcome back to Michael Loves Indie. I'm so excited to bring you this conversation with Paul Cornish, the artist who's one of our finalists for the American Pianist Association Jazz Competition. A little bit about Paul. He's from Houston, Texas. He got a full-ride scholarship to the University of Southern California Thornton School of Music, later got a full fellowship to attend the famous Herbie Hancock Institute of Jazz at UCLA. Um, he's had amazing Touring and gigging experiences, uh, supporting and sharing the stage with artists like Herbie Hancock, Dee Dee Bridgewater, John Legend, the band Heim. He was their touring keyboardist. There's this famous or infamous photo of of uh, Paul Cornish with the band Heim and Taylor Swift when they were on tour together. And what's fascinating about Paul is he just he openly pulls from so many different genres, which influence his jazz playing. So he's not only jazz; he's got great hip hop, pop. R&B, gospel experiences, and he just pulls all of that together. He's also a very thoughtful and charismatic individual. When you're around him, you just kind of want to be his best friend. He's just one of those people. So I'll let the conversation speak for itself, but there were tickets still available at the time of me recording this, I believe, for the second concert at Jazz Kitchen tonight. So please support the American Pianists Association and all they do for young American pianists. And I hope you enjoy this conversation with Paul Cornish. Paul Cornish, it's a real honor to be here with you. I'm, I'm really, I'm so excited for tomorrow night's concert um, at the Jazz Kitchen. I know a lot of people are too, and I'm really glad. I, I had never gone out to opening night of APA at Dizzy's in New York, and getting to see you there and then getting to see you at the Walker was uh was just fantastic. Um, you. I You know, my first question is, how are you feeling on this Friday afternoon? You know, you got the, um, the, the club concert, you know, Jazz Kitchen concert tomorrow. How are you doing?
1: I'm feeling pretty good, you know. Of course there's a you know, there's the there's the big whammy in, in front of in front of me. Um, you try not to overthink it. Um, but you know, in a way I feel like everything's kinda of been leading up to this, at least for me personally in my life. So um I'm excited to play, but I'm also excited to get it over with.
0: Yeah, I bet. <laughs> well you've had I, I I hate, I hate to compare because all, you know, you're obviously been selected as one of the five best American young jazz pianists and you all are so different, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of your influences and that, that really comes across for people that have seen you. And so it's almost like words don't capture it. But when, when we look at your career, it's like versatility is one thing that comes across, you yeah. know, there's like a, um, i I've felt seeing you now a few times, there's this like very thoughtful kind of searching, you know, quality that you have. And so I'd like yeah. to dig into that, you know, and just yep. kind of hearing more about your life. And I guess, um, I know you grew up in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, for those people who haven't met you before, or maybe read your biography, um, where, where could you trace some of the kind of seeds planted that, you know, might've predicted that you'd be an artist?
1: That is a great question. Uh, Yeah, uh, I feel like it all started for me at the, the Summer Jazz Workshop in Houston, Texas. Um, that was kind of where I first really got into jazz and, uh, you know, jazz piano specifically. Um, and then attending the high school for performing and visual arts, also in Houston, Texas, where a bunch of amazing jazz artists have come from. People like Robert Glasper, Jason Moran, Helen Sung, Walter Smith, Mike Moreno, Eric Harlan, Kendrick Skye is kind of you know endless um i feel like those were kind of the the models of you know how to proceed and succeed in in jazz so that kind of set my aspirations as far as being an artist and then furthermore moving to LA um attending the University of Southern California you have people like Patrice Russian and uh, I'm obsessed with Patrice Russian's career she's, she's amazing that, i know yeah a lot of people don't know too like they they'll know her from one aspect of her career, yeah. you know, probably like "Forget Me Nots" or something. But, um, she's really someone, you know. If you say I'm versatile, like I'm nothing compared to uh, everything she's done in career. I can't, I
0: can't believe you brought up Patrice Rushen in the first few minutes because I mean, for people who don't know, I mean, they might know the disco hits "Forget Me Nots," but she's a. Correct me if I'm wrong. She's a very accomplished jazz musician with yep. chops, and then she's been musical director for the Grammys for yep. years,
1: right? Absolutely and she also writes like full orchestral pieces like she's yeah. she's written stuff for the Detroit uh, Symphony Orchestra and um yeah well she's and then incredible. and then
0: similar similar to and I know you know I've just met you a few times I know we don't know each other well but it's mm-hmm. like similarly she's got she projects um a very positive welcoming vibe as do you mm-hmm. you know okay. and it's just you know um so where where do you think I'm going to give go back even further though in your family of origin i mean Did, were your mother or father musicians?
1: No, not at all. Uh, My, well, my mom, she really loves music. Like she'll, she'll kind of sing at church. Um, And uh, I remember growing up, she would kind of direct the choir. Um, She has a huge love for like classical music and opera and stuff like that. So I think she wanted my brothers and I to learn uh, instruments, you know, even whether or not we, we, Made a career out of it. She just wanted us to have, like, that background of some musical um, experience, education. And, uh, yeah, she's the reason why I play.
0: But at some point, and, and we'll tell you, so your your brother, Philip is a musician, too. We'll mm-hmm. get to that. And then you have another brother who's a musician, yeah. too?
1: Uh, Yeah, he he played for a long time. Okay. He doesn't do it as a career, but he okay. played sax. But at some point, I
0: mean... Like, a lot of us will take up a, an instrument in school or mm-hmm. maybe play for church. Yeah. But I'm imagining at some point, and maybe you were referring to it when you said the, the summer workshop, mm-hmm. at some point, to, to get to another level, it seems like there has to be sort of a spark. And yeah. was, that, was, that the, was that the summer jazz workshops you were referring to?
1: Um, well, I will say maybe a year before that, uh, I went to performing arts middle school. And so that means I was just around, you know, kids my age that just love to play. Um, I remember the first day I got into like a fight um, with uh, some fellow students over a drumstick <laughs> like we and then we would like we would look at guitar center catalogs and just like point out the, the instruments we wanted like we were just kind of all obsessed with music um, and that was kind of my first time being around uh, kids my age that loved music as well so that definitely fostered it as well.
0: Was it um, was it one of the other students in high school or or maybe cuz is Philip your older one, mm-hmm. older brother or was it your brother Philip who who when did it click that oh i could be an artist mm-hmm. and make that my my life's work i could i could do this for a living when did that um become yeah. an idea
1: um definitely definitely high school uh my brother definitely helped but um i feel like much of my development early on he was kind of already out in the world um you know, he moved to Atlanta, and he was touring with artists. Um, so I knew I could at least be uh, a backing musician for, for artists and stuff. But um, the artist-specific thing uh, was definitely in high school. Uh, you know, looking at all the people that came from there and um, just seeing kind of the identity they had in their music uh, made me feel like uh, that was a goal to reach for.
0: And I know a lot of people, and, and you you've obviously... Um, uh, developed this versatility where you can play across a lot of genres. And in my experience, the path is different for a lot of musicians. Some musicians come in, get into jazz through classical. Mm-hmm. Some musicians get into it through pop or through gospel. What was, what, was that? what was that path, you know, for kind of first musical inspiration and then into jazz? What was that path like?
1: Yeah, uh, so I first started on classical. Uh, the first piano teacher I had, um, she was an amazing uh, classical pianist. Uh, and then uh, I guess church was always kind of there in the background, but I never really put two and two together because um, at church I would mainly play drums, actually, and uh, I thought I was going to be a drummer for the longest, um, but I feel like when I found jazz, it kind of uh, brought everything together in terms of you know the church influence, uh, you know, classical influence. I feel like it could all come together in some way.
0: Was there a um, particular pianist that really clicked early on, you mm-hmm. know? Who was that? Yeah, uh,
1: Robert Glasper, Yeah. Uh, so at the Serm Jazz Workshop, uh, I remember a good friend of mine, he was a little bit older, amazing pianist named Kim Bowie Jackson. He had an iPod with all these records on it, and uh, we were on a bus ride to one of the first gigs we did through the workshop, and I just remember he played uh, this Robert Glasper record called uh, In My Element. And it was his debut, I think, right? uh, I think later. It it was definitely early on. It's like his second or third record. Okay, can't remember specifically, but um, yeah, I was just completely blown away by what I heard. Um, And then I was like, know, if I can do that on piano, then this might not be too bad." Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, And Glasper's a character too. I mean, he's just been he's just been here headlining our jazz fest in Indianapolis. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, again, you guys. You guys are very different personalities. For sure. Um, uh, did did you, so obviously he inspired you musically, but did you click in terms of your, you know, kind of personalities and, uh, and on that
1: level? Yeah. Uh, so every time he came to Houston, uh, you know, after that, I would go see him. So a lot of times he'd play uh, at this beautiful park downtown called uh, Discovery Green, um, and then I would catch him there. And I loved the way he interacted with the audience. You know, he'd just always be, Uh, cracking jokes and then he'd always bring out these special guests like you never knew what would would happen at his show and i always thought that was exciting and um i feel like it kind of just changed the way i thought um you know a jazz show uh should go i'm gonna imagine being that
0: it's robert glass i'm imagining people from all these different music genres too not just jazz yeah yeah
1: it'd be rappers it'd be singers that you love Um, i went
0: to see a show a concert Mm -hmm. here Mm -hmm. um in 2013 it was jill scott and maxwell mm-hmm. and i was this fan i had never seen either of them live uh jill scott went on first then maxwell i get like six songs in i said to my wife is like is that robert glasper robert glasper was the musical director mm-hmm. you know and i was like i had no idea because yep. he's so prolific yep. as a jazz artist mm-hmm. but it was that that kind of that kind of cross genre thing yeah okay absolutely okay and then i know i know you mentioned a lot of others but you know Jason Moran. Then yeah. it's like I mean, I'm just picturing. I haven't seen Jason Moran live, but I'm just picturing someone. The first thing I ever the, I became aware of Jason Moran was he was playing uh, James P. Johnson Johnson songs, mm-hmm. and uh, just his um, unbelievable technique. You know, mm-hmm. D- did you develop a relationship with Jason as well?
1: Man, I did, and I'm I'm just so grateful uh, to him. Uh, I'm grateful to both of them, but. Um, so Jason has this scholarship set up at my high school and called the Moran Scholarship. It's for juniors and seniors. And basically, you send in three different recordings. Um, everyone in my class did it, but he takes the time to give you feedback on each track. And, um, you know, he'll present a winner. And then, uh, so I did it both years. I didn't win it the first year, but I won it the second year. And uh, to this day, the, the notes he gave me uh, are still things I look at and try to just work on. Is that right? They were so in-depth. And he's just like that. Every time I come across him, he just has this amazing uh, perspective and uh, just, you know, finds a way to state the things that um, are needed while supporting you at the same time. Where, like,
0: you're, you're, you know, you're getting inspired by these, you know, in this case they're young pianists, but they're becoming sort of the you know, two of the biggest names in jazz. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, but I also know it's like to be a successful pianist, you've got to be incredibly disciplined. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and that's one of the things that as someone who plays music, but nowhere, nowhere near your level, it's like, you can either play it or you can't. There's like, there's really, truly no shortcuts. Mm -hmm. Um, Where, when you were younger, did you develop that, that um, discipline or, or uh, regimen?
1: Yeah, uh, I'm not really even sure. I feel like I was still late to the game on that. Um, I mean, I I had kind of, uh, yeah, I don't think I was a very good student, actually. (laughs) Not like in hindsight, because I would kind of just do enough to get by. Like if there was a piece I had to learn, I would kind of practice enough um, just to kind of, you know, do my thing. But I remember specifically I I didn't have a great technical facility, especially in high school. Um, and uh yeah, I uh and I just I just didn't really like to practice that much in terms of um stuff I didn't wanna play. You know, my mom would kind of be like, you know, did you practice? And I'd be like,
0: Yeah and you know.
1: But um I think when I got to uh college actually just kind of where you really have to motivate yourself um, that kind of forced me to kind of you know get into a regiment and um, despite however I was feeling, just you know really putting in the hours and the time
0: and did you go straight to college uh, mm-hmm. from from uh, Houston and um yeah what what was that what what were you what what different places were you considering and uh, and uh, why did you make the selection you made uh,
1: yeah, so I kind of knew. From middle school that I wanted to go to USC. Yeah. For whatever reason, I don't, I can't, well, I know I got in, uh, I got into Herbie Hancock and Terrence Blanchard uh, around that age. And then I remember looking them up one day and saw the Monk Institute. Um, and I was like, oh, I got to get there. And at the time, I was at USC. So I was like, okay, I got to get to USC. And then um, I think when it was time to apply to colleges, I looked it up. Monk Institute was no longer there, but I was like, I still really want to go to USC. Uh, and then, so I applied there. There's actually a crazy story behind that. I don't know if we have enough time to get into it. but We,
0: we, we do, actually, if you're willing to tell it.
1: Oh, okay. Where do I begin? So I actually missed the, uh, the deadline to apply to the music school, because you're, you're supposed to apply to both. And uh, I don't know. I, again, I was just a big procrastinator, and I missed the deadline. I found uh, Bob Mincer at the... Yeah. Gen, at the Yellow gen Jackets. Con- yes. Yes.
0: Yeah. He was just here uh, two months ago. Really? With Russell Ferrante oh, and the man. Yellow Jackets. Yeah, They're yeah. the best. So yeah. those are right. two of
1: my teachers. Um, wow. And uh, so my high school went to the Gen Conference uh, that following January. The deadline for the application was in December. I missed it. I found him at the Gen Conference. I was like, hey, uh, you know, I really want to go to USC, but I kind of missed the deadline for the music school. Is there anything I can do? Like please. And then he was like, uh, I mean, we don't really do that. Like, um, are you applying anywhere else? And I was like, yeah, I applied to some other places, but I really, really want to go to USC. Like it's my dream. He's like, all right, you know, I'll get you, I'm going to give you the email to our, um, piano instructor, Alan Pasqua, and, uh, just send them your stuff and then, you know, we'll kind of see what happens. Like recordings. Yeah. Right? Recordings. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, you know, long story short, I send the recordings to Alan. He replies back. He's like, yo, you sound great. Like, I want to get you out here for audition. I was like, yo, okay. I can't believe this is happening, but thank you, guys. Like, you know, all right. There's, there's still a chance. Um, that February, uh, I go out, do the audition. I was super nervous. Um, my flight, I was supposed to take a flight from Houston to Dallas and then Dallas to LA. My flight to Dallas gets canceled. And I was like... Yeah, I got to get there somehow. So I literally found like a, a mega bus ticket that day. And I was like, Mom, I'm going to get on this bus. I'm going to try to catch that flight from Dallas to L.A. So I take the bus by myself. I'm like 17 at this point. Um, uh, Get to Dallas in time. My brother had a lot of friends from Dallas because he went to North Texas. And uh, I stayed with one of his friends that night. They drove me to the airport. I fly from Dallas to L.A. That same day, I have my audition. so (laughs) No sleep. No sleep. (laughs) Team no sleep. And then, uh, uh, so I go do my audition. There's this incredible pianist that was, like, right ahead of me. His name's Joel Winhart. Incredible. He lives in New York. Uh, I remember hearing him, and I was just like, oh, my God, I'm not going to get in. He sounds incredible. And I literally, I'm, I'm, like, supposed to go in next. I go back into the practice room. I'm just, like, warmed up again. I'm just like, all right, you know, here goes nothing do the audition. Alan Pasqua in the audition says, we're going to do whatever it takes to get you here. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm just thinking about everything that, um, you know, transpired. And uh, just to hear him say that just felt just like, you know, things just kind of going my way in the perfect way. Um, and then there's another kind of side story uh, within that, you know, when I was, at the airport, there was a famous actor named Derek Luke, who um, I had seen him in movies. I just kind of came up to him. I was like, oh, my God, I'm a big fan. Like, and then he just started talking to me. He's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm going to USC. And then right there and then he just he prayed for me. He was just like, um, you know, God is really preparing you for something that the world has never seen or heard before. Um, you know, just good luck with everything. Super nice. You've just met him. Just met him. And And he's praying for you. He just prayed for me right before my audition. Go to my audition. Everything works out. All right. So fast forward, I get a full scholarship to USC. That was my number one school. Um, Alan kept his word. And then uh, there I am at USC. I didn't believe it for like the longest. I was like, you know, I feel like they're going to call me back and say it didn't work out or something weird is going to fall through, but. It worked out and, and here I am. Jeez. Yeah. At this point is Philip, your your older brother, already out in Los Angeles? Uh no, he was actually out in Atlanta. He was touring the world with uh, music soul child. Uh he did a tour with Akon. He's playing out a big church out there with a
0: So so you're I mean so you're in I mean you've got the students at it's Thornton, mm-hmm. right? School of Music, but but um but you you're the first in your family to be out in Southern California, yep. is that right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um Tell us about what what was the vibe like when you arrived on campus, and was it, a, was it a pretty instant connection, or did it take time?
1: Yeah, so actually, I had some I had a good friend who decided he was going to USC. He was choosing between Juilliard and USC, and then I remember he like made a post about it, and I commented I was like, "Yo, I'm going to USC, like come through." And then he was like, "All right." And uh, I met him at a music camp like junior year at Stanford Jazz Workshop. And he was like, all right. And then, so I had one friend there. And then I had another friend, amazing bass player named Logan Kane. We met at my New York audition for New School. And um, I really didn't know him, but I know that people were kind of, like, fanning over him. Like, students that were at the New School, like, yo, are you Logan Kane?" Like, and they're like, oh, my God, I've heard so much about you. I was like, who is this guy that's, like, going for audition, but people already know who he is. But um, so those two... We, I saw them at USC kind of my first week and we just instantly connected. Like we were playing all the time. We we're hanging out. We're actually currently in a band together. We play all the time together, but, um, instant connection with them. And then, um, I don't know, everything kind of just blossomed from there. Uh, yeah, I remember just getting a lot of love from, uh, a lot of the students, um, I started to gig, uh, around town and then, um, My teachers were always just very supportive. And when you say gig,
0: I know in Los Angeles, it's just like intersections of all kinds of music. So when you Mm -hmm. say gig, is it starting out, is it primarily jazz? Because now you've done all kinds of things in sort of pop and, you know, more fusion kind of stuff. So what what were the gigs like in the Um, beginning?
1: So actually, I did not do any jazz gigs probably my first year and a half there. There was this place called The Blue Well, um, but I actually wasn't old enough to get into the club. So I would just kind of go there and stand outside the door and just kind of hang out. But um, no, I was mostly doing like gospel gigs. Um, uh, just kind of wherever I could, just filling in. Um, and then also just making a little money on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, and then USC is like kind of notorious for these uh, house parties where these bands would play. Um, and that started bands like, uh, you know, Knower would play there a lot. Um,
0: uh, so was, people listening, check out Noer, K-N-O-W-E-R. K-N-O-W-E-R. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, like getting on a – you get on a YouTube um, rabbit yeah, hole. Absolutely. So I went, you know, Dirty Loops. Yep. Then to Knower, mm-hmm. which is Lewis Cole, whom you ended up. But people listening, check out um, – if you're interested in this kind of – I don't even know how to describe it. It's got it's – got, it's definitely jazz. It's got pop and R&B – but it's crazy, <laughs> and it just in terms of how skilled how skilled Lewis Cole is.
1: Right? Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. So we would, you would go to a house party on a Saturday night, and then nowhere might be playing in someone's like backyard.
0: I'm thinking Thundercat. Would he? Be, is he part of that? Um, he was. He was kind of already
1: like into, well into his career at that point. Um, but uh, who else? Wolfpack. Yes. I remember this first time I saw Wolfpack was yep. at a USC party. Yep
0: wolf oh. for people listening what v u l f p e c k song back pocket is that yep. you, that was their hit yeah Absolutely. it's great yeah yeah okay
1: um it was cool seeing them because um i think they were all jazz majors at university of michigan or okay. something like that um so it was cool to see what they were doing uh who else uh an amazing singer remy wolf Um, she she had a
0: album last year or this past year did really well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that
1: was like one of my uh, classmates. She was in the pop program, but she would be you know singing at those backyard parties. This band called Muna. um, Who else? I'm blanking on some others, but oh, uh, uh, Moonchild. Yeah, Moonchild.
0: Yep. Yeah, it was kind of. And then Muna, they're three females. They had like they've had a couple hits, like number one fan and songs like that. Kind of synth. Yep. Synth pop influence. So, are you just are you kind of because again this this sort of and I know I can't find the words, but versatility. Mm-hmm. Are you just kind of soaking it all up at the time, just Absolutely. all these different genres?
1: Yeah, um, it it kind of just was always there. Um, I mean, I've always in, be in, been interested in playing different styles. So I feel like USC was kind of just nothing to just be hopping on a gig with a friend or someone needing a keyboard player here and then.
0: Is your as you? Um, go out and play and gig with people at that time, is your bread and butter an 88-key piano, even if it's like a portable one, or is it Rhodes, or is it synths, or is it
1: all the above? Um, I feel like I was kind of trying to figure out all of them at the same time. Like, you know, me and the piano have a very love-hate relationship. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, uh, yeah, I was still trying to figure that out. Um, But I was dragging around this, like, Motif 7 keyboard, I remember, and then because um, it's a lot lighter than eighty-eight keys. Yeah, but, and yeah. then uh, also, yeah, a lot of gigs I was doing. I was really. I remember I was at like the furthest end of the hall where I lived uh, freshman year, and I would just be dragging this keyboard like down this long hall to like try to get in Uber to try to get <laughs> to a gig. It was it was really you know, a toil.
0: Okay, so I'm going to pause one one place when you said me and the piano have a love-hate relationship. I have to ask you to to expand on that.
1: Yeah, no, I I mean, I feel like piano just, it just keeps me honest, you know, um, uh, just because keyboard, you can get away with a lot of stuff. Like, you know, if you haven't really been shedding or, you know, um, really putting the time in, you can kind of still sound pretty good
0: transpose octave you know
1: yeah. features all kinds of right so yeah. that was the other crazy thing yeah. i didn't even know the transpose button existed <laughs> until i got to college <laughs> and i think i sat down on someone else's keyboard and i was like something feels off about this this is not the right key and then i learned those transpose button but if i'd known that that existed as a kid i i'm pretty sure i would have been using it you you wouldn't be where you are because maybe you'd be like me and develop a bunch of bad habits. Exactly. (laughs) It would definitely be a crutch. So it's probably by design. I didn't, you know, find out.
0: Um, and so which, uh, when you're at Thornton, which of these gigs in Los Angeles, was there one that was like a kind of a turning point or inflection point that stands out of sort of a
1: kind of a, a, a big leap? Um, yeah, definitely early on. Um, you know, I mentioned going to the Blue Well, I was not old enough to get in. Uh one of the first gigs that I got playing at the Blue Well was with Dave Benny, um incredible saxophonist. And uh I think Lewis Cole was on that gig too.
0: Playing bass, probably. Uh
1: no, he's playing drums. And drums, okay. Yeah, and then uh my friend that I mentioned Logan Cain, he was also on it. That's right, because Louis Cole also plays he drums and then keyboards mainly, yeah. right? That's mm-hmm. right. That's right. Yeah. But Logan, um Logan Kane on bass. Okay, yeah. cool. And then uh But Lewis had been playing with Dave Benny for for a number of years. But um, I remember he was somebody I kind of looked up to as well. Um, You know, I heard his records in high school. And uh, he kind of had just moved to town from New York. And he's just known for, like, putting together these bands of, like, young musicians. And, uh, you know, not only was it playing with him, but it was also getting to play at the Blue Well for the first time. That was kind of just like... Uh, a milestone in my head, as far as like, okay, like, you know, we're getting, we're working our way up.
0: Yeah, I have to. What's Lewis Cole like for people listening? Definitely look up Lewis Cole because he's he's an amazing musician, but then visually, he's really crazy. Yeah, I'm ima- i I'm imagining with somebody like Lewis, that could go either way. He could be really, really nice, or he could be really antisocial.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, no, he's great. Uh, really funny. Uh, yeah, I've I've had the. Uh, honored to be able to tour with him and I have to say that's probably some of the most fun I've had on tour yeah just being with him Genevieve um there's this other singer Chiquita Magic and then a lot of my friends that I went to school with it's just it doesn't like it feels you know when you do you ever feel like you're having too much fun you're like I can't believe this is my job yes. like when's think, the other shoe gonna drop
0: yeah yes
1: yeah Th- that whole tour feels like that like the music is at a high level. You're having a lot of fun. We get paid well. Um, it almost feels like it shouldn't exist. Was it hard to balance at this time? Because you have all these interests. You're getting calls for
0: gigs. But then you're a student at one of the top musical schools in the world. So was that a hard balancing act at the time? Um, as far
1: as like choosing which gig to do uh,
0: yeah yeah and then and then just getting your studies done cuz you're i mean you're you're doing these
1: tours but you yeah. still have responsibilities for for finishing your degree right yeah um i have a bad habit of just just piling on everything uh <laughs> and uh yeah i would kind of just take it on without really asking questions yeah. and just figure it out um and that was also something you know i kind of saw my mom do just yeah. to make sure Me and my brothers were were set up um, well. So I kind of just had that mentality coming to L.A., just like, all right, I got to do any and everything and also got to, you know, somehow figure out how to keep my grades up, especially because I had my my scholarship. Yeah.
0: You strike me as someone who's just kind of working all the time. Is that Yeah,
1: Yeah. my friends uh, ask me all the time, when have you taken a vacation? And uh, I usually don't. But, uh, you know, I feel like I just have... Clear kind of goals in my head of where I want to reach, and I feel like I can't really stop unless I, I get there.
0: Yeah. Okay. So for people listening, because there's not the, you've had so many collaborations and supported so many famous musicians, I can't possibly name them all. But I'm going to ask you give us a short give us a short snippet on how this came to be. I'm going to name a few of these yeah. folks. Okay. Uh, you've performed with Herbie Hancock. How did yep. that how did that come how did that come about?
1: Yeah. Uh, so the same thing. You know, it all kind of ties back around. The, the Monk Institute was my goal of where to get to. Um, I auditioned for that program coming right um, out of USC, and I got in. But at my audition was Herbie Hancock, Wayne Shorter, Ambrose Ackerman, Missouri, um, James Newton. Jeez. Yeah, it was heavy. Um, but Herbie Hancock and Wayne Shorter are on the board of the Monk Institute, or formerly the Monk Institute. Yeah. They changed to the Herbie Hancockins too, while I was in the program. So um, part of the program, he just comes and spends time with us, and we also get to do some performances with him.
0: So. I mean, I could just, I could listen to, I, I did listen to his biography. You know, I have it, and then I listened to it, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, two years ago when I was on a long road trip, I, I could just listen to Herbie just give a lecture on just life. Yep. life yep. You know, is that, so What what, um, what, what stands out from that relationship?
1: Man, uh, yeah, just kind of his, his humbleness um, and kind of his focus um, in terms of being that best human being you can be. Um, not even, like, it really wasn't even a lot of talk about music. It was just, you know, kind of being the best person you can be. Um, there would be certain things we would look at. Like, I remember looking at a, a Gil Levin score with him, and um, that was kind of a special thing just to see him geek out on music. Um, but yeah, I feel like, you know, the biggest thing I've learned from him is just, you know, uh, being a human being comes first, music comes second, and, you know, everything will kind of work itself out from there. Uh,
0: Dee Dee Bridgewater.
1: Man, yeah.
0: Friend of APA.
1: Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. I call her auntie. Uh, yeah. Uh, that was also through the Hancock Institute. Yeah. Um, yeah. Debbie Allen had like a, a, a special gala going on and they're like Like Debbie know? Allen from well let's
0: see when I was a kid Fame Debbie Allen yep, and, and yep. the choreographer Debbie Allen. Yep. Nice the
1: Debbie Allen. Okay. Um and uh who's also I think she's from Houston as well. Is that right? If I'm not mistaken. Okay. I know a couple people are in from her family are are from Houston. But I believe she is. Um but uh yeah so she was having like a gala event for her academy. She has an academy in L A and they're like you know DD needs a pianist like would you mind uh playing I was like of course and uh I'd actually met DD uh before kind of in passing but it was cool to be able to uh play with her and just kind of be around her those those couple of days yeah John Legend but, yeah uh, so uh John Legend actually wasn't in, in the studio but it was uh for his Christmas album uh we all kind of just came together to uh, I was fortunate enough to play on a couple of charts uh, for for his Christmas album. So. I've heard
0: that what he portrays, he's just like that in real life. He's yeah. just very accessible, very positive. Mm-hmm. Is, that, yeah. is that him? Absolutely. Easy to work with? Definitely. Is that great? Okay. Mm-hmm. So there are, you know, obviously for people who love jazz and play jazz, it's a whole spectrum. There would be some people who are more purists yeah. who would say, you know, well, you should just focus on jazz full time. But you've been unapologetic in saying no. You know, I'm gonna, fo- I'm gonna, I'm gonna focus on jazz. But I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna do this. You yep. know, um, can you talk about that? Do you do you ever get do you ever get any grief from uh, purists or any or anybody? Um,
1: um not really. Mainly just because I don't think they know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. But yeah, I've kind of been not really been in the spotlight, so I feel like I've been kind of been able to like weave different worlds without really being noticed and uh i feel like as people are starting to not kind of know me now there's kind of just the groundwork has been kind of laid um so yeah so far no one's really uh you know criticized me that for that specifically i i just had my teachers were just saying like whatever you decide to do just make sure you know it well like um i remember specifically this uh teacher I had in Duke of Chancellor who passed away a couple of years ago uh, rest in peace but he was kind of um, you know one of the teachers that really you know wanted to make sure I had a solid foundation and he worked with me to you know make sure I understood um you know stride piano you know how to play with the singer uh you know how to play with the big band how to play a trio and he would just kind of just lay into me like that. He was just like, you know, you got to be thorough with your research. And, um, but it, it never came from a place of like, you can't do that. It was just like, you need to go deeper in your, uh, in your studying and your research. Wow. So I've kind of just tried to approach everything I did that way. Yeah.
0: Um, both in New York when, um, uh, and we'll get to apa and you, you know you being um the finals of competition in a minute but both in new york and then in um uh, your uh the concert with the five finalists at the madam walker theater you mentioned um that you had developed um a real interest and commitment to um learning and interpreting works by black female composers mm-hmm. and that was really you know, I, I'll be honest. I, I think I'm a pretty hardcore jazz fan. And you, if, if you said, name a black female composer, I'd be like Jerry Allen and uh, Alice Coltrane. And uh, I'm embarrassed to say it, right? You know,
1: that's better than most people. Is it? Well, so, yeah. but,
0: but, but, you know, um, uh, can you talk about how you and I, th- I think i think it's really important you know i mean it's it 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 makes fans like me kind of look up people and then go explore those artists yeah. um what what inspired you to uh you know commit yourself to learning more works by black female composers
1: yeah it was kind of just an introspective look like you said you know um i think there had been conversations around it but um and it's easy to be critical of other people um especially the institutions but it's like at the end of the day, I feel like you got to look at yourself like, all right, what am I doing about it? Um, And, you know, I kind of realized that I'd never really um, made an effort to, you know, kind of research and learn the works of black female composers. Um, You know, some of my favorite pianists, you know, Jerry Allen was always kind of one of my favorite uh, pianists. And then I had known about Mary Lou Williams, but I hadn't really, you know, done a deep dive and Um, uh, I think it kind of really stuck with me when uh, I had to do a project for one of my classes um, looking at uh, black classical composers and seeing um, the black female composers that were in that idiom, you know, people like Florence Price, um, you know, Julia Perry, Margaret Bonds, um, just kind of, you know, made an impression on me. It's like, all right, you know, I found this information Um, but, uh, that's only half the job, you know, as a artist, as a performer, someone that, uh, has access to platforms, I have to pass on this information and, uh, it can't just stay at, you know, uh, making awareness, you know?
0: Yeah. Is there one who stands out that you think is particularly underrated? So for, for the... APA fans and jazz fans listening, if we were going to go, if we were going to go seek out an artist that's particular, a black female composer who's particularly underrated, who would you recommend we go? Alive
1: or, or, or dead? Either. Either? I mean, to From... me, Jer- Jerry Allen is is universally slept on. Like, yeah. you know, people who know, know, like, you know, you she's influenced people like Vijay Iyer and Jason Moran and uh, Chris Davis and uh, Craig Taborn and, so it's like, it's more so, you know, a fringe favorite, like pianist, pianist, artist, artist. But I feel like even some of my friends who are musicians now, I'll mention, Jer- even piano players, I'll mention Jerry Allen. They're like, oh, I never really checked her out. So I think she's universally slept on, but I still think Mary Lou Williams is very slept on as okay. well. Um, I've, I've just been digging into her work in, you know, Miles Davis and Herbie Hancock are, are very credited for, you know, having these long careers where they evolved. Mary Lou Williams kind of was there before jazz really took on. And she really spanned a career from like ragtime to blues to swing bands to bebop to avant garde. You know, at the end of her life, she does that a duo concert with Cecil Taylor. And that whole time, she was mentors to. You know all our favorite musicians like Bud Powell, Charlie Parker, Monk, Dizzy Gillespie. She was teaching all of them, and um, but she also managed to evolve. She also wrote um, a suite of music for orchestra, her Zodiac Suite. Um, she was just kind of just a jack of all trades, but like mastered all the yeah. you know different styles. So
0: Mary Lou Williams and Jerry Allen. So if you're listening, check them out, um, and I, I I certainly will dig dig deeper. Um, so um, you've you've competed bef- before APA. You've competed in competitions and won competitions pr- before APA to this point. Which one is it? Is there one that stands out as you've you know gotten more into
1: you know trying to be the, the best in the country or best in the world? Yeah, I mean, okay. I feel like now that I'm here, I can admit this. The doing the other competitions were all kind of in preparation for APA. One day in my head, that was kind of I was like, all right, I know. Because uh, I met Sullivan Fortner in uh twenty fifteen, the yeah. year that he won. And I was like, Man, what is this competition? It's yeah. amazing. I gotta get there. So um I just kinda started looking at other competitions to kinda do, to kinda, you know, get my reps in and um and not that they were like easy or anything, but I I just never had done any piano competitions. So I was like, I gotta apply for some and uh hopefully one day I'll get to do the APA thing comes comes around and um you know I just um have to say I'm I'm very grateful that you know it's ten it's worked out the way that it did. How did you find out that you were a finalist? Uh Joel Harrison called me. I will never forget in March of this year and uh at at first I thought it was gonna be bad news. He was like, Hey this is Joel Harrison from APA and I was like oh no here we go. Um but then he told me I had made it um and uh yeah I was excited And, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty, I probably have a problem with insecurity, but I, again, even after he told me, I was like, I feel like, you know, something's going to go wrong or he's going to call me back and say, actually, it was someone else. I didn't mean to call you. My bad. But, um, you know, lo and behold, it's real. I'm here. Yeah.
0: Um, and, uh, I, and I, I asked, I, you know, last month I, I interviewed Esteban. and I, I'm going to ask you the same question: mm-hmm. Is that it feels like like all of you are have are five very different artists and have singular styles, mm-hmm. and yet it feels like there's a pretty strong camaraderie. Like even though it's competition, at least yeah. the vibe is you're all rooting for each other. Um, is is the, am I am I right? You know, sort of is, it, does, is that the is that what's yeah. happening behind the scenes?
1: Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think it's like you alluded to, alluded to earlier, like. I think all of us knows what it takes to get to this point. Um, and we all love the music. So I think whenever we see each other, we see someone that's really put in the work, that um, is putting their, making their mark on this music. It's, um, I don't know, it's just a, a good feeling. It's just like, you know, I imagine it's how, uh, you know, Herbie, McCoy, Chick... Uh, Keith Jarrett felt when they were around. You know, it's just like, you know, I see you, and you know, I appreciate what you're doing. Yeah, that type of thing.
0: It is, it is cool because like a lot of us, I really think a lot of us, um, certainly in Indianapolis and nationally, who follow this um, competition, like, I, 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 really do believe in three or four months we could do the blindfold test and be like, that's Paul Cornish, you know, and mm-hmm. be like, that's Esteban Castro, or wow. you know, it's it's yeah. it's, it's just cool. Um, what you know, the this this competition for people who don't know as much, you know it um it, it it takes the finalists in different musical settings mm-hmm. uh, very some very different musical settings you know solo trio uh, big bands you know accompanist you know what um it was is that is that something that was appealing about it or how do you how do you kind of process that
1: absolutely so um again i've i've been following the apa for a long time you know just it being one of my goals to to get here um, so I've seen all the videos of, you know, Sullivan playing with Diane Reeves. And then, yeah. uh, uh, I forgot who was. Kurt Elling Kurt was last Ellen. year with Emm- yep. Emmett Cohen. Emmett Kurt Cohen, yeah. Yep. yeah. And then, uh, so when I saw that Cecile was the vocalist for this year, I was <laughs> just even more excited. I was yeah. like, man, if this thing doesn't even work out, I get to say I play with Cecile mclaurin Um And, uh, yeah, so I was very excited about the aspect. I love playing with singers. I feel like it's just a very special thing that's not, not like anything else. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I actually really hated playing in big band growing up because I, you know, uh, I always felt like I was just playing what the horns were playing and you can't even hear what I'm doing. So I'm just like, I didn't like it, but now that I've kind of stepped away from it for a long time, I really have appreciation for it. Um, and, you know, Duke Ellington and Count Baser, you know, Oh, and Thad Jones are kind yeah. of just my heroes um, in that idiom. So I'm I'm looking uh, very much forward to to playing with the Brant uh, uh, Orchestra. Yeah. yeah, they're great.
0: Now, are, are that's that makes me think: Are you someone who's got music playing all the time, or do you sometimes have to can give your brain a break, or is it pretty much going all the time?
1: Um, yeah, it, it switches at different times. Um, yeah, it was kinda weird. This year I uh it's probably I've gigged the most that I've ever have in my in life my life, but I wasn't listening to very much music during that whole period. And I don't know if that was a direct effect of that, but um in looking back I just realized I hadn't really been checking out a lot of music until recently when I came off the road and kinda had some time to just kinda chill. Then I I really fell in love with uh listening to records again. So Yeah, Um, depending on what's going on, it kind of uh, goes in different uh, periods.
0: Okay, I forgot to ask you about one of my favorite pop artists, Mm -hmm. the band Heim, the three sisters. If you're listening, H A I M, and then there's this, there's this famous, you might say, infamous photo of you with the Heim sisters, and then there's Taylor Swift (laughs) over here. (laughs) What was what what what's that? And again, for people listening, check out Heim. They all they're all multi instrumentalists. I saw them in June here. It was unbelievable Yeah, yeah, incredible. Was that was that fun? Was that a fun? uh,
1: Yeah. Oh my god. So, I know I said the Lewis Cole tour was my favorite tour, but I'm it might be tied neck and neck. They're just like some of the most fun people to be around and they're like it's a, like a sister vibe among them. They're just like super chill. They're like cracking jokes on each other. They're there for each other, you know, when each other needs support. And they just kind of extend that family vibe to everyone else. Like, it seems
0: like a very musical performance. Like that's yeah. the thing I took away from that is they they're like the, they're making jokes, but the emphasis is very much on the songs and on the music, and yeah. they're, they're switching up instruments. And
1: man, you know. they are really students of the music. Like there are a lot of pop artists you kind of come across. And you're like, okay, they're talented, um, but like you can kind of tell they haven't really you know for like put the time in. Yeah, but um Esty, the oldest sister I think she knows every like pop rock rock record that's ever existed yeah. and she can tell you who played on it what year it was what was going on yeah. what shirt or shirt they wore that day um she's a student same with Danielle and uh Alana they just um they have this deep knowledge and reverence of the music like I noticed you know we were fortunate to um you know kind of go to these huge festivals where these legendary Bands would play like the Strokes, um, you know, Red Hot Chili Peppers, um, Paul McCartney. You know, we we played uh, right before him at Glastonbury, and you just see this reverence that they had for those artists. Um, kind of like the same reverence, you know, I would have if I saw like Herbie Hancock um, performing somewhere, or um, and uh, the Pixies. That was another band. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it was just like they knew every song. They would approach them and just like, you know, be so humble and, um, you know, and that was just amazing to see. Uh, yeah, but they're, they're the best, like yeah. a whole lot of fun. Very musical, like you said, very talented.
0: Right. Uh, you've been really generous. I just have a few questions left, you know, it's, and it's great to have you here in Indianapolis. Thanks um, for having me. Yeah, it's great. Okay, so this is this is like speed round. I'm just, I'm dying to ask you a couple of questions uh-huh. and this, and I don't want to catch you off guard, but I'm just going to ask it. Okay. okay. All right you get approached by an accomplished jazz musician who says, I've been asked to go on tour with a pop group and I don't think I can do it. What do you tell him or her? Like never played, he's never played, he or she's only been a jazz musician, but they've never gone on tour with a pop group. What are they, what's, what's, the, what's the key to success?
1: Mm, uh, I would just say just try to you know, live with those records. You know, the same way you would approach learning jazz, I think that's the same attention to detail. You have to approach with uh, a pop artist. And I think that's a common misconception. Like I feel like a lot of jazz musicians feel like, you know, oh, it's just pop. I'm just playing three chords. You know, it's nothing. But there's a whole nother skill set that comes with, you know, making that musical, turning, uh, you know, performing a show. Dynamics. Dynamics. Textures. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it, it's even harder at a certain point because mm. you really have to be uh, Keen in on all those other musical elements, yeah. you know, in terms of your timing, dynamics, playing with uh, a band, you know, accompanying, you know, a singer. Um, so I would say, you know, really take that serious in terms of, you know, uh, ingratiating yourself in that world and uh, also being able to find freedom within that world. I feel like that's the key. Let's go
0: the reverse. Uh, uh-huh. uh, 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 somebody approaches you and she's a great pop pianist and she's like, I... I I want to play more jazz, but I'm intimidated by it. What's your advice to her?
1: That's a little tough. Uh, <laughs> but, no, I, I, you know, same kind of thing. I, I think um, getting rid of the fear is um, the first step. Um, I was telling the students at Warren uh, Central High School earlier this week, um, you know, nothing is difficult. It's just unfamiliar. So I oh. think, um, you know, a you know getting rid of the fear uh, first of all, and then just uh, you know engulfing yourself in in that world. Just you know, listen to a bunch of records, uh, understanding the artists that you're working with, what it, what they kind of want, um, and then uh, yeah, you'll you'll be all right from there. Just take it step by step. Nothing
0: is nothing's difficult; just unfamiliar. Yep, that's great life advice, really. Yeah, absolutely, and yeah.
1: I, I I definitely can't take credit for that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I just remember a friend saying it one time, and it, it stuck with me. Did you make a pretty good connection with the Warren Central kids this yeah, week? Yeah, those are yeah you know, yeah those are the homies. <laughs> we uh, they were awesome, great great energy. That's a lot of amazing questions, and um, it was kind of surreal for me being there because I feel like I was just in high school sitting where they were sitting, you know, watching people that came in and talked to us.
0: I mean, and they're going to remember this for the rest of their lives too. That's what's cool. It's almost like what the, you know, very very likely the influence that like Jason Moran and Robert Glasper had on you.
1: You know. <laughs> yeah. Best best case scenario. I mean, they might forget it tomorrow, but uh-huh.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, have people been hospitable in Indianapolis? You know, it's a, it's our everybody who supports APA. It's our hope that when you look back years later, you're going to be like, "That's my second home." Mm-hmm. You know, has have been, I hope I hope
1: people have been hospitable. It's starting to feel like that, like like my kind of you know Midwest home away from home. Yeah, um, yeah, everyone's been amazing. You know, coming up to me after performances. You know, um, and just being very very supportive. Uh, very you know, I'm from the South, so. Um, you know, I just love hospitality, and uh, you know, everyone's been
0: very nice. That's great. Okay, last question, and I'll give you a second because, and this is, I've asked um, every finalist this question so far, and that is, is there a book, or you know, a a record, or a show, or a movie um, that is, and it could be about music, might not be, it might just be about life. That's top of mind for you that you find yourself recommending to people.
1: Yeah. Oh, um, I'll start with book uh also, I was a late bloomer to reading <laughs> in general. I hated reading growing up, but uh herbie's book is really good, yeah, um, if there's one I'd say ego is the enemy. Ryan Holiday. Ryan Holiday. Oh my gosh. Yes.
0: Yeah. I'm 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 a so latecomer to Ryan. Yeah, like the last like like five years. Ego is the enemy. Yes. yes.
1: I'm I'm reading his uh, next book right now, uh Discipline is Destiny. Yes. Yeah, that's a great book, but I remember Ego's enemy kinda like it, it just struck me like I was very inspired by, by that whole book. And I, have uh, passed it on to other people as well. So,
0: and I'm, so I, I've got the audio of discipline is destiny and that's mm-hmm. really good too. Cause yep. I, I used to think that like discipline, it's like people trying to put limits around you. And yep. then I, and then I've realized that like every, you know, every, every person I look up to, I look up to you as an artist oh, develops you. discipline. You know, there's no, there's no shortcut. Right. right? And that's, that's a hard reality i think of adulthood and mm-hmm. well maybe some people maybe you realize that younger in life it's like yeah.
1: eh, no shortcuts my mom used to always say that and she would always say to uh with discipline comes freedom and i did not understand that at all when i was younger i was like what do you mean that feels like the opposite of freedom but as i've gotten older and kind of had to just figure things out on my own that's really true yeah you know if you kind of have structure then that opens up a world of other possibilities yeah
0: uh, Paul, I'm just, I'm excited to follow your career in the next, you know, um, I'm, I'm at least 20 years older than you. So I hope I live a long time just to see, you know, I think, you know, these people like Patrice Russian, you know, I think Larry Goldings, you know, Larry oh, yeah. too, who just do, they do all these different things. Like they're amazing jazz artists, but then they kind of, um, that you know, they they you just see that see them composing and going across all these genres. I mean, is that I, again I hate to make comparisons, but is that is do you, do you think that you'll continue to pursue this really broad range of things?
1: Absolutely. Um and again it's like the fact that there are people that have done it that makes me feel like, you know, no one can tell me otherwise. Like people like Quincy Jones, Patrice Russian, Larry Goldings, um my teacher late great and chancellor. Um yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to keep going harder like I want to write for orchestra um, I want to write an opera one day because why not
0: yeah well you're an inspiring person to be around and again you. you've said you've said a lot of um, things that I'm sure that I and people listening to this are going to remember but I, I just love this what you said earlier in the interview which is like you just you're it's it's you're having, you're enjoying it so much. You just wonder, is this real? You know, yeah. I, hope, I hope, I hope that continues. You know, I hope that thank continues you. through this through this competition. And, Absolutely. um, you know, I I think we'll have a couple sold out shows. We'll definitely have, yeah, probably both sold out shows tomorrow. Is there anything else you'd like people to uh, to know?
1: Uh, thank you for buying tickets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for for caring at all. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing everyone's face and and meeting uh, some of you and uh, very feeling very fortunate to be here in India uh, in Indiana, Indiana, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. India. We stuff. appreciate it. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, um, Paul Cornish, it's been an honor speaking to you and I've, I kept you longer than I meant to, but there's just so much, so much great stuff. Um, in finding out more about your life, we look forward to tomorrow night and That's good luck in the competition. So thank, thank you so much.
1: Thank, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Yes, sir.